today we are going to uh, look at the message that was given uh, to the shepherds that night of the birth of Jesus. And we know that that was the beginning of joy. It was the beginning of the end of a long night for those that have gone before, Isaiah and David and all of the many people that looked for the coming of the Messiah, uh, rejoiced to see that night when Jesus became uh, the very uh, source of our joy. In Luke, it says in verse 8, And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen just as it had been told to them. You see, the whole thing about Christmas is the fact that we were built for joy. See, there's no uh, uh, surprise that out of all the Christmas story, this is probably the, the essence of Christmas that even the whole world has clung to. Even those that do not believe in Jesus or don't want to believe in Jesus, you see, they, they have celebrated Christmas because they can see there is something within them that, that connects with this idea of joy. That one time out of the year, we can begin to be kind to one another. We can begin to give to one another. We can rejoice and sing and, and uh, 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 begin to enjoy uh, the goodness of life, even in the midst of sorrows. You see, we were created for joy. We were made to experience happiness and, and, and the pleasures of life. But you see, the problem is that joy just never seems 
to finally fill us up. How many know that we're always looking for more joy? Because the next season of Christmas, we need another shot of it. Because the joy of this world just does not seem to satisfy. And many times the joys of the world, uh, whether it is found in, in all kinds of pleasures, whether it is uh, relationships or whether it is exciting adventures or whether it is activities, um, whether it is even places that are uh, things that, that destroy us and yet we look for pleasures in, in drugs and alcohol and, and all of those things that, that do give seasons of joy, but it seems like they always end up running out and never last. That person that, man, that's all we wanted. If, if they are in my life, I'll just be complete. You know, but how many know that after a while, then that, it doesn't, doesn't satisfy anymore. Um, it always leaves us empty or regretful. Um, uh, there are uh, always a, a consequence to the joy of this world. It's kind of like a, a firecracker. It's exciting. We're lighting it, and then boom, we love the fire, but then it's gone. It's burnt up. It's gone in a moment. There's a momentary flash of joy, but then it's over. And there's even some things that maybe last a little bit longer, kind of like the candles. We light them and, and enjoy the light and the, the flames, but sooner or later, the candle burns out and there's nothing left. That's the joy that we experience in this life. And because of that, we cling to what little joy we can. And in fact, that's why the world will tell you, you need to grasp all the joy you can because it's not going to be here forever. They are right in that, but they are wrong in that that's all we have. There is a greater joy that we were built for. And this is what we need to understand, that God is the source of a joy that will never burn out that will not be consumed in a momentary flash of exhilaration. And God desires for us to experience a joy that we were built for that is never consumed. But there's two things that block us from joy. There's two things that has gotten in the way of us experiencing that type of joy. The first thing is the depravity of our heart. In other words, we have rejected that joy and we have chosen, I want my joy. I want the joy the way I want. I want that firecracker. I want that, that excitement, even though it will not fill me. See, we have, that is the depravity of our hearts. It is the fact that we have exchanged the eternal for something temporary. And that has that has blocked us from really experiencing the joy that, that we were created for. This, this choice of ours, we have chosen to separate ourselves from the very thing that we crave. The second thing is not only the depravity in our heart, but there is the justice in God's heart. You see, God is a just God. He is a holy God. 
And we're glad for that because when we want justice, we want God to step in on our behalf, right? You know, justice is always uh, for me, but it's not for you. If you need justice because I've wronged you, well, we'll work with that. You see, but God is just in every case. And because God is just, he has uh, not allowed the selfishness to destroy the joy that he has to give. And so therefore, the justice in God's heart keeps us at arm's length. That as long as we continue to choose to live in our selfishness, then we cannot enter into the joy of the Lord. And I'm glad that he does that. In other words, it's like who, who would willingly let contaminated water, well, we live in a world that it happens all the time, but if we could, you keep the contaminated water from the water source that we are supplying our family because we do not want our family uh, to be uh, 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 harmed by that. And that is the justice of God that those that have refused to walk in holiness, God in his justness and holiness has put a barrier and it is the consequence of our choice that separates us from the joy of the Lord. And so there is a, a blockage because of the, the consequence of our choice that it is the justice in God's heart. So these two things keep us from enjoying life. Well, let's look at the first one, the depravity in our heart. That depravity is because we have chosen to treasure worldly joy over God. You see, we need to understand that God is the only source that will never run out. God is the fireworks that keep on going. You ever love a good fireworks show, and then when it's over, it's kind of like, ah. I mean, it's a great finale, but then it's over, and you wish it could keep on. I'm going to tell you, God has a joy. There is a joy in the heart of God that will never end. But the problem is we have chosen to treasure the world over God. We don't see God as something valuable, as something that we want. We have lost the ability to value God over the treasure that we put in the, the temporary thrills of this life. The things that, that, that we can touch and see and taste and feel, those things we have put a value on to where we treasure them. And this is what is separating us from God. It says in the scripture, Romans chapter 1 says, for what can be known about God is plain to them. He's talking about all of those that have rejected God because God has shown it to them and really to all of us. For his invisible traits... Namely, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made so that they are without excuse. In other words, when we look at the beauty of nature, when you experience the glory of, of childbirth and, and the beauty of everything that you experience, you know what that is? That's really a picture of who God is. And yet we have, instead of recognizing God in that, we act like that just happens, like we just deserve, like, you know, when you, when you see the beauties of nature, 
oh, well, evolution happened. It just happened to be so beautiful and so organized and so amazing that we have rejected that. And yet, we have all known that it was God. So, because of that, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, and this is all of us, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. And here it is. They exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images that resembled mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. Because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and they worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. You see, this is the first thing. The reason that we are not fully satisfied in life is because we are believing a lie. We're believing the lie that if I could just have more money, if I could just have that person in my life, if I could just do this and achieve this, if I could just uh, you know, become famous, or if I could just you know, retire, oh, we have all these, it's a lie. Those things are not the source of your joy. We need to begin to understand that we have exchanged the beautiful nature of God for things that don't last, for things that will burn us out, that will empty us up. We need to come back and ask, why are we not valuing God? And the reason is usually because, well, then I might have to give up those things. But if those things are burning you out anyway, yeah, they're giving you short-term pleasure, but God is the immortal, powerful God who is beautiful and more pleasurable than anything. Why are we exchanging that for something in this world? So you see, that is keeping us from joy. It's keeping us from really experiencing life. But the second thing is the justice in God's heart. The holiness of God must condemn our sin. We, we talked about that. In our sin, the very choice that we make is what pollutes the plan that God has. And so God has set up a, a very righteous plan, and, and sometimes we, how could God send people to hell? How could God separate? Everyone should be able to come to heaven. If God allowed the same selfishness and, and choices that we make to come into heaven, how would heaven be different than what we experience now? And who thinks that this world is a paradise? You're foolish if you do. It's full of sorrow. It's full of anger. It's full of frustration. Even in the small happiness that we have, we're always complaining about the government and this and that. And so God is very righteous and holy in saying that in my justice, I will not allow you to have part in this new life that he is planning because it will only pollute it and make it worse. And, and so that is why there is definitely a separation which we call hell that is coming to all of those who refuse to receive the beautiful glory and choose the joy of the Lord. And that separation is where 
the joys of this world have fully burnt out because the things that we have chosen do not lead to life. They, They are things that let us down. We see it in the scripture. It says this in Romans chapter six, but what fruit you were getting at that time from the things which you are now ashamed. In other words, they had, moved, they, had, they had lived for all of these other things. He's saying, what fruit did you get from those things? Even though you might be ashamed of the way you used to live your life, what did you get? For the end of those things was death. How many know if we put all of our hope in a relationship, sooner or later that person is going to let us down. It's going to lead to anger. It's going to lead to disappointment in that person. If all of our hope is put on money, how many know that sooner or later you're going to lose your money? Or that thing that you can purchase with it is going to decay because things just don't last. So the fruit of all of those joys, yes, they are pleasing. And there is no question that you can love things in this life. But what we're saying is, but they don't last. And for you to put all your hope in that the fruit of it is going to be death. It's going to be decay. And sooner or later, if you're putting it just, I'm just going to love life, well, sooner or later, you're going to die because life does not go on. It's going to be gone. And then what? So the fruit of what you have is death. And it goes on, this, the verse that we all know, for the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The wages of sin is death, and that is against us. We cannot receive joy because we are all sinners. We've all sinned. We're all selfish. We've all refused God. Even if we believe in God and we speak it, how many? we, we all know that we are broken. Even when we don't want to, we hurt other people. We're all selfish. We're all self-centered. And so the justice that is in God's heart keeps us from joy. Go to the next one. We're going to see that this is why Christmas is so great because Jesus came to take the two biggest things that block us from real life. That's what Christmas is about. Jesus came to remove those blockages. He came to solve the problem of our heart. He came to solve the problem of God's justice. In one fell swoop... God himself came to fix what we could not fix. You see, those blocks, those barriers were unassailable by us. We we cannot overcome our deprived hearts. I don't care how hard you want to. The greatest person, the Dalai Lama, Mother Teresa, none of them were ever able to overcome their own heart No matter how good we are, we are blocked by those things that keep us from the joy of the Lord. But Jesus is the answer. This is our joy today. No matter where you are, I want to give you the joy that you can have a greater joy because of Jesus. So let's look at what Jesus did. We're going to go backwards. First of all, Jesus satisfies the justice of God by completely taking his wrath. That justice that is in God's heart that keeps us from entering into the joy because God refuses to let us pollute the holiness and complete joy of his life, Jesus came to satisfy 
that condemnation. When Jesus went to the cross, he took the full wrath of God. The full sentence of our death was given to Jesus. So we don't have to live with this enmity between us and God. You see, we can never be happy in life because in the back of our mind, we know that God's not happy with us. And so that always kind of tinges our joy. Even when we're enjoying things, we, in the back of our mind, we know that maybe I'm not living right. That's why there's always an uneasiness, even of people that don't believe in God, because there's something deep down inside that there is a tension. But Jesus eliminates that. Jesus, when we begin to recognize what Jesus did, he eliminates. You don't have to fear what God thinks of you, because he completely took out all of his justice on Jesus, so that we are not under condemnation anymore. This is the joy of Christmas. I love these verses in Romans. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you have believed in Jesus and you are following Jesus, there is nothing between you and God anymore. God does not see you as sinful. He sees you as a son and daughter who is perfectly clean before him. There is no condemnation. That means he has no complaint on you but he loves you. What a great feeling. You see the beginning of joy there just to know that I am free in front of God? 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says this, for our sake he made him, being Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We, when God looks at us, he looks at us through Jesus. If we have taken Jesus on, if we have covered ourselves with Jesus, when he looks at us, he sees the righteousness of God. He sees us as pure. He sees us as forgiven, completely. How many know how good it feels to be forgiven? Have you ever gone through where you've done something? Maybe you got caught, but then they say, we're going to let you go. We've all seen those little lights behind us when we're driving down. And how many know in our heart, the first thing is, like, oh, give me a warning. Oh, give me a warning. Give me a warning. Right? And then when they do, oh, there is a joy of being forgiven, even though you know you don't deserve it. It's the same with God. There is a joy knowing that we are the righteousness of God. And so Jesus cleanses that but that's not the end because how many know that when you're forgiven how many was ever forgiven once and you never did it again lie <laughs> we said we would never do it oh thank you god i will never do it again i was so and we did it again because here's the other problem even though jesus makes us right before god that wasn't the only problem the problem was our own heart we keep doing it again because we are dumb enough there's something wrong with us jesus destroys what was wrong with us, the depravity of our hearts by cleansing us and creating within us a new heart. Not only did he come to forgive us, but he came to give us a new heart. That when we accept Jesus, what we are saying is, God, make me new. By the blood of Jesus, cleanse me and give me a new heart because I can't do it on my own. I'm just a dummy. We all are. We need Jesus to create within us a new heart. By his spirit, he gives us a new chance on life, a new ability to do what we couldn't do without him. It tells us uh, in the scriptures in Ezekiel, this was a promise 
Way before Jesus, he says, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness and from all your idols, I will cleanse you. And how does he do that? I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey all my rules. See, we can't obey his rules on our own. We need his spirit to do it within us. And when Jesus came, he brought his spirit to put his spirit within us that walks with us, that encourages us. Now, we're not perfect at it yet because this is a process. But thank God he is now walking in us. It goes on in the New Testament. Jesus said this. After, likewise, the cup, after they had eaten, this is the Last Supper, he said, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. He was referring to the new covenant that he had promised Ezekiel way back then. In other words, Jesus said, as you drink this cup that represents my blood that I'm going to shed for you, this is what Ezekiel was promising way back then. I am the new covenant. I will give you a new heart. In Ephesians says, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he has made us alive together with Christ, for it is by grace you have said He's made us alive again. He didn't come to forgive those that had done wrong. He came to bring back to life those who were dead, that we can live again through Jesus. So these are the blocks that Jesus removed. This is the joy that we now are forgiven and transformed. There is joy knowing that I am forgiven, but even more joy knowing that, you know what, I now have a new purpose. I now can be a new per person. How many loves to have a second chance? Not only to be forgiven, but to be given a second chance. Someone that believes in you and that someone that will work with you to make you a better person. It's like someone saying, you know what? I want to be your personal coach. Man, no one wanted to work with me before. And now the God of the universe believes enough in me to say, I'll come and be your personal coach because I can make you something better than you could ever be on your own. If you've ever played sports, you know the, the value of that. That if a coach that you've always looked up to came to you and said, I want to work with you. What? You want to work with All right. The joy of knowing that I am going to be able to do more than what I could ever do on my own fills us. But that's not the end. Because here's the thing. The point of Jesus coming was not just to remove those blocks. The joy of Christmas is not just that I am forgiven and transformed. Many times that's where we stop and we just rejoice that I am forgiven and I am transformed. But that's not the joy of Christmas. That's not the joy of this life because joy is not in our behavior. Again, it's not in us. It's not about us. It's not about me being forgiven and me being transformed. Therefore, my joy is in what I receive. That's not the point of what Jesus did. He did this. The point in removing the blocks is to bring us into relationship. Yes, he wanted to forgive us. Yes, he wants to transform you. But the only reason he wanted to forgive you and transform you is because he wanted to be with you. The joy of Christmas is Emmanuel, God with us. Because our joy 
is not in our status, but it is in God himself. Jesus came to bring relationship with God. It says in the Bible, for Christ suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. We, are, we will have no joy unless we joy in the Lord. If we joy in our forgiveness, you will soon be let down. If you rejoice in your transformation and how good you can be, you're not going to make it. Our only joy is in God himself. Eternal joy comes from a right relationship with God. God is the source of joy. When God becomes our treasure when we begin to value God as the most important thing to us, then we find life. Jesus put it this way, the kingdom of God is like a man who found a treasure hidden in a field, and when he found it, he realized how valuable it is. He went and sold everything and bought that field before anyone else could get it so that he could have that treasure. God is our treasure. When we begin to treasure God, you will find joy because God is the source of joy. God is is the very spring of life. Even though this life might be hard, even though you may not get to do what you want to do all the time, you have Jesus. And God has a purpose. Even when you go through those dry times, it's taking you someplace that's gonna be even better. And we've gotta trust that and realize that our joy is in the Lord. In Psalms, it says this, you make known to me the path of life. For in your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures for him. Do you know that God has pleasures for you? God wants to please you. God loves you more than this world ever loves you. He loves you greater than your wife or your husband can ever love you. He loves you better than a girlfriend or boyfriend. He loves you better than that sport. He loves you better. He wants you to be more happy than anything that you could ever achieve in life. You need to know that in his presence, there is fullness of joy. When we are most, when God is most glorified in us, we are most satisfied in him. This is a saying by, by Piper, um, which I believe is the very essence of what God wants, that if we will glorify God, if we will just seek him and live everything for him, not for ourselves, then we will find the most satisfaction that we ever had. Because when God is most glorified in us, we are most satisfied in him. I love this promise. Paul says this, it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, that Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or death. Paul said, if anything, I just want Christ to be honored in me. And because of that, he could say this, for to me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. You see, he knew the value that if I put God first, there's nothing I can lose. Even if I die, I gain the whole world. If God becomes so valuable to you that he is your treasure, I'm gonna tell you, you will have nothing to lose but everything to gain. That God will become the joy of your life. This promise, God says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. That's the God we serve. Do you believe that God does what he promises? 
but how much are you delighting in the Lord? See, we close with this question. Are you delighting in the Lord? Is he your joy? This Christmas is just the fact that Jesus has taken away the barriers. Is that enough to to fill your heart? When you come to that place that you truly delight in the Lord, truly, not just say it, but delight in the Lord, then God begins to give you the desires of your heart. But that means you're not delighting yourself in the other activities and the other people and the other thing. Now, we love those things, and God will be in them, but when we begin to delight ourselves in the Lord, then God begins to give us those other things, and God will bring it all together. Is God glorified in us so that we can be satisfied? The desire of God is that you might know joy. He wants you to know joy, but he knows that it only comes through him. Will we come to him this season and open our hearts and treasure the one who has come to be born among us, God with us, so that we might know joy? Let's bow our heads.